Welcome to This Sustainable Life. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with General Kip Ward. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks, Joshua. Good to see you again. Same here. And when last we spoke, you committed to a challenge, which I'm very curious about. We also talked about a bunch about service. And I guess, I, let's see if that works in, because I'm, I'm really curious. Because as I remember, you did something that most people don't think of, or they think of, but they don't really, they're like, ah, oh, I don't really want to do it. But you had come off an experience of, of through the pandemic that I think motivated you. So if it's okay with you, can you remind us both what the commitment was and what what motivated you to it? What was the, I mean, I walked you through a process, but do you remember what prompted you? We, we talked a lot about you know, a lot of different things. And I'm pretty sure it was the notion of, of, of flying and, and how my small role there, uh, and obviously prompted because of the pandemic, but also if it carried further beyond that, what is it about that as an individual that might be something that could contribute to you know, a global commons that, you know, in light of all the things that are going on, would it make any difference? And, uh, and so for me, it was, uh, okay, you know, I haven't been flying and oh, by the way, I'm doing okay. So maybe I don't need to be flying. Mm-hmm. And other than the coronavirus scenario, that certainly, you know, stats will regulatorily uh, put a limit on that. You no, know, how about voluntarily? What things could I can do and could I, could I have to sustain that even if uh, I wasn't prohibited from flying as things were evolving with respect to our ability to, I won't say manage, but to, uh, to have a better reaction to the coronavirus. And so for me, uh, I've maintained that, you know, I still haven't, I still haven't flown. I've had clear opportunities to do so, but I very deliberately have made decisions, well, not to do that or given alternatives that may have been available to employ an alternative as opposed to, as opposed to that particular activity of contributing to the impact of uh, what goes on because of flying. So I do, I think that's what it was. And, uh, and I have remained a non-flyer and I can, I can say that uh, candidly uh, uh, there's nothing that I see on the horizon substantially changing that at least right now. And although we've talked about doing some various things, one of the things we talked about, well, if we do that, then what alternatives do we have? And And it comes with being associated with some event, some activity a reunion or some seminar or some meeting or some event or activity that there's an alternative to, to actually that act of, of flying to be able to participate in it. And that's where, where I am. So I'm hearing that between then and now, and by the way, it's been longer than we predicted just because of schedules. So we've postponed. And although if you're saying that you don't see anything on the horizon of something coming up, then it sounds like you're ongoing I'm curious. It sounds like there were both business opportunities and pleasure opportunities that you could have flown. Right, right. There, there, there are things that we I clearly could have done, uh, and it is more professional related uh, as opposed to you know, pleasure related. Uh, but clearly, things even from a personal point of view, and, and I'll say in this, my wife is also part of this journey. Where especially when it comes to the personal things, that we said, okay, we're just not going to do that. We'll find another way to hopefully capture what that experience would have created for us. And we'll just try to create it in a different, in a different way that doesn't involve having to uh, go get on an airplane and fly to do it. Uh, now I'm curious, since you mentioned your wife, did you tell her, 
Well, was she already on board before the phone call or did you come off? The, like she wasn't part of the phone call. Did you go up and say, Hey, I committed to not flying. And she's like, Oh, you did what? <laughs> or was she like, Hey, that's a good idea. Or no, I, I think it wasn't so much a, de- a deliberate discussion. It was a result of how we communicate daily. And, and it was just an, I don't know how to explain it. It was more of an understanding that we both genuinely or jointly kind of, we just came, came to that point. Uh, and again, some of it was related to obviously the, fact that because of coronavirus, we couldn't do it. But then later on, we said, well, why do it? We, we, we still don't have to do that. And, uh, and, I, and I won't you know, say what you know, the totality of, of her motives were for arriving at that same conclusion, because uh, she and I didn't have a very deliberate discussion about, although we talked about, I mean, I, we, we talked, so I mean, she, she knew about my conversation and she was aware of, you know, the sorts of things that we were talking about here with respect to sustainability and, and all that. But I will say that, you know, even in her daily daily living, she is, she is also, you know, conscious of that just day to day regardless. I mean, so that's something that she's conscious of as well. So it's, it's kind of these things, it's, it's a part of the fabric, if you will, of, of, of who we are and the importance of it and doing things, conserving as best we can, recycling, all those things that help to not be contributors to a scenario that we wouldn't, that we don't, we don't want our grandchildren and now children's children's children to inherit. So and I think that's just a part of who, 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 who we are. Okay. I was a little worried because I sort of met her when, when I first came in contact with you through Francis at her, I think it was her birthday party. She, I think your wife was there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, she, 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 was, she was clearly a part, a part of that. Exactly right. So someday in the future, when you take the train up here, I take the train down there and we meet face to face. She's not going to be like, you're the one who. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. No. <laughs> <laughs> going back to uh, how things went. So you did other things instead. You. Was it hard to think of, like, I think you said reunions or workshops or um, seminars. Was it hard to figure out what to do instead? Or did you just not do things? Or did you do things in different ways? I guess the different ways. I think we probably were, like so many others have been, and that is we found alternative ways of doing things. And typically it revolved around uh, something like this, you know, some some medium like this, you know, uh, where we were able to connect connect virtually, or in some cases, even if there wasn't a virtual connection, do something in advance, uh, pre-record, and, and, and then send in to to contribute to whatever it is that was going on, uh, make a statement or whatnot. But but it was basically doing things in a more virtual way as opposed to physically being a present at a location or having to get physically to a place to participate. I want to call attention to something slightly different than you're doing, that you're doing that not everyone else is doing, which is a lot of people say, look at all these things I can do. I can meet by Zoom and I can telecommute and st- not telecommute, but um, work from home and things like that. But then they also fly separately. Like they don't decrease their flying. They replace some flights, but then they still go on vacation. And you know, the longer I go without flying, the longer I find that within train or biking distance, there's more than a lifetime worth of stuff nearby. Yeah. And as long as I keep thinking like, oh, but what about Machu Picchu? What about the Great Barrier Reef? The more I feel like, missing out as opposed to discovering here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll be totally candid, probably quite frankly, uh, Josh, because of the life that I've lived uh, globally, you know, the, the, the appetite for doing things like that has probably been reduced. I mean, because for me uh, personally, you know, I've you know, been all over the world. And so my appetite for, you know, going to the unknown is, probably a bit reduced. I, mean, I, I don't have an, a, an appetite or a, a burning desire to go out and do things. And so I'll probably be 
a little bit different in that uh, uh, because of what I've experienced. I'm certainly no not to the point whereby I say, had I not done those things, I wouldn't be as interested in going out and exploring, if you will. But uh, but I've explored. You know, I've been to places. I've been around the world, and I've done that. And so the appetite to do it, the need to do it, probably is a little bit suppressed because okay. Know that as the old saying goes, you know, been there, done that, got that, and uh, and so okay, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm satisfied. You know, being, you know, uh, one of my things that I said when I when I first retired, you know, being able to sleep in my own bed more than seven consecutive days was a, <laughs> that was a treat. You know, I said, oh, wow, uh-huh. not packing a suitcase to go anywhere. Said, wow, this is because that wasn't the life that I had been living, and so uh, when I and stop doing that. A lot of folks say, well, wow, how, how, how are you going to ever make it? You've been so used to going, 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 going. I say, yeah, that's right. And because I was going, 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 not going is is new and rewarding and exciting. And I kind of like it, <laughs> you know. And so I wouldn't want to be so bold as to say, you know, uh, I've, you know, you know, this is, boom, 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 and this is me and none of this. You know, it clearly was, you know, informed, if you will, uh, because of past experiences. Uh, that I'd had that, that just you know, took away uh, for me personally uh, the appetite, the need to do these things that were, uh, I'll use the term exotic, but not exotic, but just, you know, you know different from the adventurous. Or- adventurous. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's something that people say to me that I probably haven't gotten around as much as you have, but I've been at six continents and uh, a couple dozen countries and people say, well, maybe other people need to get that experience yeah. in order to, I can't really speak to that. I, I feel inside. Had I known, I would have changed earlier and started yeah. avoiding flying earlier. But I can't really, I mean, one of the things I think of is Marco Polo is pretty well known for traveling. Christopher Columbus traveled pretty far. They didn't, actually the founding fathers, I keep reading about how like Jefferson Franklin would be in Paris and they're traveling around a fair amount. Right. And that was all by sailboat. All by sailboat. That's exactly right. And you, you, you read that and you and you see that and say, "Wow!" I mean, you mean these guys took these two week journeys uh, via a sailing craft to go to these places and uh, or or longer and say, "Wow!" You know, and so it kind of gets you in a position of saying, "Well, you know, these things are possible without having to go through a particular regimen of or a set way of doing things." Uh, and I think it's a function of some, sometimes, I guess it's a function of society and times in which you live, uh, you know, you know what, what's available options and, and uh, sometimes choice that you, that, that you make. Oh yeah. Cause I was in, I remember once, I think it was in Paris. I saw a painting of Paris viewed from a hot air balloon and it was paint must've been painted around 1900 or sometime when hot air balloons were like the, the, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And no one had ever seen that view. So it was like fantastic. And it was a beautifully detailed painting. And now then airplanes came out and hot air balloons weren't so big, such a big deal. And that view was like, oh, whatever. And then, you know, jet planes came out and biplanes were not a big deal anymore. But we as humans can get the thrill from a hot air balloon that, see, now we're ho-hum. We're like, who cares? I want to fly faster, farther. You know, oh, darn, I can't take the Concorde right now. But if we could have once gotten it from simplicity, we still can. It's not within, it's, it's more of a social thing, I think. I can just see one day, I was talking to a friend the other day about, would we go to space if we had the chance? Mm. And I can certainly imagine 
the first people going up being like, oh, this is amazing. I mean, obviously the first people who went up, it was amazing. We saw those pictures from space and no one had ever seen it before. But I can certainly imagine a time if we make space travel really simple and easy where people are like, oh God, I got to go up in space again. <laughs> I just want to be there and back already. And if, if we can get bored of it, that's like something internal. We have the ability to, you know, the universe in a glass of wine mm-hmm. in a drop of wine, it, we can find it. That's a, a, a social and emotional skill. I think as much as, I mean, we like novelty. How great is it to do something just because no one else has done it before? You, you said earlier about how you didn't see a reason to restart. It reminded me of when I was in college, there was a lot of boycotting of South Africa, businesses that did business with us, with South Africa. So I stopped drinking Coca-Cola, maybe Pepsi, maybe both, I forget. and then. No one ever announced the end of the, of the boycotts. But one day, Nelson Mandela's president, I figure it looks like apartheid's mostly over. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, now I can go drink Coca-Cola again or Pepsi or both. And then I thought, wait, I know why I stopped. It was because they were doing business with, the, with South Africa and I wanted that to end. But I don't see a reason to restart. And I never restarted. Mm-hmm. And I have no missing... I look at Coca-Cola, Pepsi. I'm like, why would I? Why would I? Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of things I believe are a product of you know, something creates the need to do or not to do. And then, but once you've established some pattern of doing or not doing, uh, going back to either doing it or continuing to not do it uh, is a function of a choice that you make. And that choice yeah. is a function of, I believe, uh, what does it mean to you as an individual, either from a physical perspective, a emotional perspective, spiritual perspective. And once it's assessed, either subconsciously or consciously in those spheres, you move out and you act or you don't act. And so, uh, you know, the whole notion or the, the old saying, you know, necessity is the mother of all invention. Okay. Yes. Yeah, something, there's some catalyst that either that created the act that of, of stopping something that you were doing or starting to do something that you then have to do, but to continue it, especially once the catalyst has gone is clearly a function in my mind's eye of, some internal assessment that you make that that, that you make uh, that takes into account you know the w- one, two or three of those internally influenced uh, things in you as a person, either a physical need, uh, an emotional need, or a spiritual need, and uh, and if that's either there or not there, or how it, how it it manifests itself, then drives or determines what you as an individual do or don't do. And as I think sometimes it may be a conscious you know, thought process. Sometimes it's just subliminal. I say, hey, it's just, and you stop and you wake up and you think about it one day, well, gee, haven't been doing that and it really doesn't bother me. No impact, so I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Or something to say, wow, that's something that, it's hurting me by not doing that or it's hurting me to be doing that. And, uh, and the information that you receive from the environment and, and things that you being exposed to uh, from either you know, said the information or experiences are all factors that influence and impact you know that choice that you make and uh, and I think that's a continual process. I mean, it doesn't stop. I mean that that that, that whole cycle of processing things that are in your environment that continues. I mean that that that's an ongoing evolutionary type of a process. I think uh, I don't think the data way that I thought twenty years ago about things because I know more. I relate to things in different ways. I think for all of us, you know, uh, that continues to move forward. And that's a thing that I think uh, when it comes to if, if, if you're leading an organization, you know, things change and you, you adapt, you modify, you, you, 
you respond to what's going on around you, I think, in ways that influence who you are, what you do and how you do it. And I think that uh, the more information that you have taken in, the better able you are to, in fact, conduct that assessment uh, because you then broader. I mean, it, it, it's kind of for me why some of the things that we're going through today are so important from, you know, from that the, the diversity and, and what you know. I mean, the more that you can assimilate and understand and bring into your decision process, then I think the better able you are to uh, make a choice, make a decision uh, that is uh, informed to in a way that will hopefully achieve the outcome uh, that uh, will be most satisfactory in accomplishing whatever you want to do. I used to use a, a, a saying when I was either on active duty, leading my organizations, or e- even when I retired, when I was a uh, running my company. And I would go back to one of my favorite philosophers, Beetle Bailey and uh, an old Sarge, you know, uh, I've got three of Beetle Bailey, old Sarge and Yogi Berra, you know, great philosophers. But uh, there's one old cartoon, old Beetle Bailey cartoon where, you know, Sarge had told Beetle Bailey to build a a foxhole fighting position, you know, old time thing and uh, make sure that it's constructed well enough so that you're, you're, you're well protected. So Beetle Bailey digs his foxhole and he thinks he's done a great job and he's all safe and secure, et cetera, et cetera. Sarge comes up and inspects it and said, you idiot, I told you to build a foxhole that can protect you. And Beetle Bailey's all dumped down. I thought I did it, Sarge. I thought I did it. And Sarge said, get out of that foxhole, Beetle, and go down range and take a look, turn around and look back at it. So Beetle Bailey got up and went out and and turned around and looked back at his foxhole and saw from a whole different perspective. So, wow, it's not doing what I thought it was going to do. And so for me, the lesson there is, uh, and I use this in my belt, anyone who's ever served with me knows that, you know, Ward has, you know, a couple of foxhole stories. And uh, one is you always work to improve it, to make it better. Whatever you're doing, you work to make it better. But the second one is, you know, get out of your foxhole, go down range, turn around, look back at it from someone else's point of view, and you'll probably see it differently. And when, once you see that, you can come back and you can make it better. So in that regard, for me, it's, you know, it's like diversity. You know, the more things that you can see from varying perspectives, perspectives of, of others about where you are, what you're doing, and the impact, then you might have a better chance of uh, doing something that makes a difference into totality. So that's when it comes to sustainability and the things that you do. Well, just think about how what you're doing is impacting someone else. You've seen it from someone else's perspective. Wow, yeah, that's kind of kind of rough. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that, or maybe I should be doing this this way. Or wow, I'm I'm receiving information unlike I've ever received before. And and so and so for me, when when we talk about you know inclusion and diversity, that's all rolled up in there. I mean, we need to have those differing points of view, perspectives, ways of looking at things, because we can take all that into account and move forward then we hopefully are making decisions that are better for, for the totality of where we are. And so when it comes to things that we do as individuals, how is what I'm doing impacting someone else now or even later? And so the whole notion of sustainability and leadership, I think all of those things come together in some very dynamic ways to influence the decisions that, that you make, either as an individual for your own personal self or as an individual for the group that you are part of and uh, your community, whatever the case may be. And as I said, that's a continual process. I mean, it goes on. It's always occurring. I mean, you're always involved. You know, you know, the notion of you know, always scanning, always looking and seeing, always receiving. And, uh, and as a result of those things, you are making decisions reflective of 
that new information, that different information, what it means to you, how you're processing it based on some new insight. And again, it goes back to you know, your physical being, uh, your, your emotional being, uh, what things you know, spiritually are important to you, uh, all part of that process. You reminded me of our first conversation. I just thought of now as how I felt like you didn't decide that you were going to be in the army as long as you were. And it sounded like that army had your number. Like they were like, we know how this guy works. Let's get like, let's move up. But it also sounds like they really, I heard the voice of service. When you're saying like, look at it from another perspective, that's, I mean, in terms of a foxhole, it's one thing, but in terms of what you do, your impact on the world, to me, to think of how, what I do, like the opposite of service would be like, what's in it for me? But I, I heard the opposite of that. And it's what's in it for the people who are affected by what I do. How does this affect others? And there's a lot of directions I could go with that. I want to ask the rewards of acting in service of others. These are rewards that are, I mean, my, my trip up to West Point and talking to the cadets was a major shift in that. Certainly knowing Francis, that's to service to live. And I don't think I've, I've gotten close to where you probably have in terms of not just service in what you achieve, but how it feels. The environment and, and acting in service of others who would be, I could do things that would pollute and it would save me time in some ways. But I find that I find that I prefer take responsibility for how my behavior affects others. You've had decades of this and has it increased over time for you? Did you grow up feeling that? Am I, or am I putting words in your mouth or is there something in, in service that is for someone who's out there and they're just like, look, I just want to know what's in it for me. I just want to, I just want to be happy. I don't care about all that stuff. Is there still something in it for them? Or is there even more? Right, right. Uh, you know, it's two things. Uh, first, uh, to go back real quick, you know, you know, my foxhole analogy is one that I use in all aspects of who I've been since a young lieutenant. So my point would be that it doesn't matter where you are, you know, you have the foxhole, that physical thing, but your foxhole is wherever you are. I mean, if you are, you know, it's working in an office someplace or you're out whatever, wherever you are, that's your foxhole. That's your space. And all these things are coming to impact where you are. And so I just use that as an analogous to you know, the physical foxhole, but really your foxhole is wherever you are. I mean, you're occupying your foxhole right now, sitting where you are, doing what you do. That's your foxhole because that's your position that you occupy. And so for me, it didn't matter if I was in the military, in the service, even when I left the military and a part of the corporation, uh, that was my foxhole. And everyone that's a part of that, they're in their space, their activity. And, you know, coming forward a bit, you know, when it comes to the service piece of it, I think that's probably a part of who I am because I kind of grew up with that. You know, I used, used to watch my dad as an, as, as an example, you know, do what he did for people. I mean, he worked hard every day, you know, came home, but he'd get a call or someone say, sir, oh, Mr. Ward, can you come and do something? So, so and so for me, whatnot. I know he'd be tired and whatnot, but he'd get up and go to, because he was doing something for someone else on, on, on the weekends or whatnot. And a lot of those times I, I'm with him. So I know you know, how tired he is and whatnot. And his point would be, well, you know, if, if I ask someone to do something for me that I needed done, then I, I hope that they would do it. So it come back to the, 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 the piece of, you know, just treating people as you would like to be treated, you know, and the, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, those sorts of things. So, so it's, it's deep in that. And so the notion of service for me is, is that, I mean, it's how would I like to be treated or would I, you know, and, and so and if you assess that, then okay, then you extend it, uh, and uh, and so for me, the notion of services was there. Was there? You know, there's a painting that I have uh, 
kind of packed away now that you know, we, we retired, but I had him in my office as painting of his Buffalo soldier uh, standing next to his, his, his horse, his mount as a, a first sergeant and uh, stand there, whatnot. And, and it, all it says is proud to serve, you know, uh, you know, in service to others, doing something for someone else other than myself. And, uh, and I think that's when we as a community had that as the way we approach things, then we all benefit from it. Because if each of us is receiving the service of those who are around us and each and each of us is giving that, then the entire team is lifted. And so it's a part of my notion of teamwork, how we work together as a team. Now, what are you doing today to make your teammate a little bit better? Or how is what you do causing your teammate to perform a little bit better? By doing what doing your job more effectively, by taking inhibitors out of out of it, by reducing the complexity of it, whatever it is that you do that will cause your teammate to be better at what she or he does. So, and when we all are doing that, the entire team gets elevated. And that applies to how we take care of ourselves, how we take care of our environment. And what are you doing to make things a little bit better for your teammate? And, and if we're all doing that for each other. You know, the power of that is tremendous. And that was kind of how I looked at what we did as, a, as, an, as an outfit, as a unit. I would tell my guys and ladies all the time, I'd say, you know, you're not in competition with, with each other. We're in competition with achieving the goal. We want to achieve the goal. And the way we do that is by how we work together and, we, and, and by working together, doing what you do so that your teammate is more successful with what he or she does. And so it is about service and, and serving because I believe in that is where you have, at least for me, the ultimate ability to try to make an organization successful. And you know that you contributed to that success. And so clearly there's some, there's some self-satisfaction in that. But the essence of it is because of the satisfaction, because of what I've done to enable my teammate to be better at what she or he is, has been, been able to accomplish. So that's how I kind of look at the service piece of it. I believe that's where the greater reward is in knowing that you've enabled someone else to be better, to be more su- successful with what they're doing and achieving the overall goals of the organization or the entity or our the space in which we live, et cetera. If you like the show, I recommend acting as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small, doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodek.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodek.com slash donate. Going back to your experience with the not flying, was that an element? I don't think you mentioned it about the service element that, I mean, one of the reasons I have this podcast is so that influential people well-known people, experienced people like yourself to help create a legacy, to get your experience out there for others to learn from that. I'm not sure how aware you were or if, if that was part of your thoughts of enabling others to do better by their standards also. Was that a part of, of your experience when you were avoiding flying? I don't know, candidly, if, if I thought about it in those direct uh, terms, uh, because it was, for me, driven by a, a condition set uh, that I had no control over initially, initially. Now there's potentially a, I would have arrived at that same place because again, as I 
continue to mature, get older, experience more things, you know, discover, hey, there, there are alternatives here because you have an ability to you know, assess those alternatives in, in a different way. And so for me, uh, the whole issue of, of, of not flying as, as, as the example that, that, that we're using is one that probably took on its, its gravitas based on you know, a condition set that I probably didn't have you know, a great degree of control over. But once I was presented with that, okay, then now how do you react to it? And I think that's where the the distinction lies. Uh, I guess there's an old saying out there, uh, and I don't know it exactly, uh, but you know, you're always going to be challenged. I mean, you know, challenges come from different you know places. You know, so you know, challenges are, are going to be, I guess, inevitable. But but how you respond to the challenge, you know, how you respond to the challenge, you know, you control that. So that's where I think your ability to then begin to have some control there. So you get a challenge that you hopefully that, that you may not have created, but how you then can respond to it uh, makes a difference. And so and obviously in anything that you experience you know, a challenge or however the case may be, although the challenge is, is inevitable, you know, uh, you don't want it to defeat you. And because that, that's where you can make a difference in how you respond to it. It does sound like there's an opening then if I find myself inspired by what you've done or if any of the listeners come back and say, oh, well, that general he probably has enough to pay for his own flights and he's not flying. Maybe I can do it too. Then you would get to hear that you raised someone else's game. And you would, I would guess that it would retroactively activate a feeling of satisfaction. I think so. I think so. As, as a human being, uh, the notion of being of some assistance. Inspiration. Inspiration. Okay. You couldn't say it because you're too humble. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I think that's not, I think, you know, again, being a human being, you know, that is, there, there is satisfaction in, in, in that because, I mean, for me, I think that when at the end of the day, it is about, you know, what you've done to, to cause your fellow human being to be better off, if you will. And uh, how have you done that? I mean, one of the, you know, from, from your children, it starts off with your, your nuclear family and doing things for them because you want them to achieve a certain thing or be a certain way, uh, then it expands to your community, to the global commons. And so we, yeah, what have you done to make life better for somebody else, buddy? You know, uh, and so, and, and in that regard, it is about, you know, okay, if, if you can say that, hey, I've, I've made a little difference. You know, there's a old, uh, not old anymore, but one of these commercials, one of these public service announcements where the little boy and his grandmother walking along the beach and uh, a bunch of starfish are on the beach and a uh, little boy stops and picks up one and throws it back into the ocean. The grandmother says, oh, there are too many of those. You can't make a difference to those. He said, yeah, but I made a difference for that one. And I think that's kind of where, where it is, you know, yeah. You know, and is there some satisfaction in that? Sure, there is. Absolutely. Yeah. And to the degree that motivates you to do, to do more, to do more. And when we're, when, when we're all doing that, it can't help but elevate, I think, the entire community entire global commons. And I think, uh, and that can apply over varying ways. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, what you do and how you do it. I mean, reading, you, reading your story and your account of how you reduce, you know, your trash and whatnot. I mean, that's absolutely, you talk about something that's admirable, my friend, you know, but, but the impact of that is, is tremendous. It's tremendous. And, uh, and so, uh, so others may not be able to do it to the extent that you do it, but to the degree that it's being done at all is making some difference. And, and those, cumulative sums of difference then have some collective uh, advantage for, for, for the community, for the global commons. So, 
So I think it's it's all it's all part of that that process. Yeah. Well, when you when you're up in New York and you come over for my famous no packaging vegan stew and you taste it, you'll say, oh, "If I knew this taste, it tasted this delicious, I wouldn't have said it was so hard." <laughs> <laughs> Right. It was hard to get there, but once I got there, I really liked it. And, you know, if someone knew me of college age or for a couple decades after that, they would, I think, be very surprised at how much the military has influenced me and the sense of service is, I think, at the core of it. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of things I don't agree with. I mean, as a taxpayer, I think we're paying a lot. But in terms of the sense of community and mutual support and the word leadership is, I think, is overused by a lot of people, and it means much more to me as a result of speaking with people like you. And what I get out of the environment, I don't think people get. I talk about how delicious it is, how I save money, not spend more money, how it, it saves me time, it's more convenient. The fee, and everyone knows the feeling of walking in the woods and things like that. But ultimately, you know, I love plants and animals, but it's people that really—that's what is most meaningful to me. Yeah. And this is really about serving others. It's. You know, I'm not a parent, so I, I don't know what it's like to change a diaper or watch my kid plays for his or her first piano, piano recital. But when I think of the people who are on the receiving end of, of, you know, the plastic that I go through, it's not a burden or chore or sacrifice or deprivation to think of how this affects them and to act accordingly. In fact, it's a great, I think you use the word satisfaction. Mm-hmm. But I think even that doesn't capture yeah. the feeling of, of um, I mean, I don't even know what it's like to have, to be in a foxhole with someone else and our lives are in each other's hands. So I don't think I'm on that scale even close, but it's a lot more than just like, oh, I hope I can get a raise and, and make a lot of money so I can live, you know, buy more stuff. Right. It's definitely beyond that. And, uh, and, and, and again, it comes with a notion of, of the more you understand about your environment, the more important those sorts of things become to you you can't have an appreciation for things unless you can receive that appreciation because of how you see others being impacted now i wouldn't be so naive to, to think that, that there aren't those out there uh, that uh, are very self-centered and selfish and whatnot etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, uh, but i think uh, when it comes to the preponderance of folks uh, they think in a way that uh, says okay okay you know how am I causing someone else's life to be a little bit better? Because that in the end is what about, you know, this, you talk about, you know, your, your eulogy and, and so-and-so born here and died there, but really the important thing, what's, what, what's that dash what, what happened in that period of time? That's what causes you to, I think have been on this earth and made a difference uh, as opposed to not. And how, how that dash is explained in your life when it comes to, uh, describing you know, your period of time, however short or long it may be. And really, I think it, you know, the length of time really is not the big thing. It's, it's the impact of what you do. And the essence of it is really what others uh, will be able to say they are because of they knew you and had a chance to interact with you in some way. And uh, I think for a lot of folks, that's the important thing. The rest of it is very temporal and temporary and okay, okay, but what did I do that's going to make a difference? And so, and that, and the more we know about where we are, the space in which we live, and especially if you kind of care about someone else or you care about others, uh, then these things are easier to do and easier to see. We do care. I mean, even the Christmas stories, you have, you know, these things of 
folks have a change, change of heart, change of mind. I, I'm seeing a little bit different now. Something happens that causes me to see a little bit different now. I didn't used to pay attention to, to you know, my waste or, or the things that I did. Uh, but now, now I do because I know by doing that, it has, it has this sort of a negative impact on either someone I care about personally or you know, my community. And so you change or you, you continue to reinforce things that uh, hopefully are making a positive difference. So I think it's all part of that's part of the, of the dynamic. And, and uh, you know, to your point, uh, you know, plants, animals, but the human beings, because of a great gift of having a, a brain and and we don't know what rational is from time to time. But, uh, you know, based on what you experience and your values and what things mean to you or not, you kind of react accordingly. So I think it's kind of like that you know, in, in the environment and uh, different places. Having lived all over the world, you know, seeing how different things impact. But one thing that I found pretty constant where wherever I've been, uh, the basic things that people desire globally are the same. How they de- deliver it may be different, but uh, very few places I've ever been uh, where I would meet someone who didn't think about things very similar to me when it came to things that were important to them, you know. Most folks want a better life for their kids and their grandkids than they may have had. Most folks want the ability to, as I was saying the other day on a program that if you want to get up and go to a store to buy something, to be able to get there safely and back. I mean, most folks want that, these basic things. You know, most folks want to be able to know that if I go to, wanted to get a drink of water, that water that I'm drinking is, is not going to kill me. You know, and it's, it's accessible. You know, most folks want that. It doesn't matter if you're in some parts of Asia or Africa or the Americas or Europe. You know, those basic things, most people want what I, what I wanted. And so you know, how we get there and what we do to, to achieve it, make it happen, may be different. But most folks want those same basic things. Uh, you know, and so it's not as if we're all out here in heaven we got, we got horns going out of our heads because we're all on different pathways and planes uh, of, of activity. Yeah, yeah. You know, getting up in the morning and going outside and taking your breath of fresh air is something that, you know, didn't matter where you were. You know, most folks wanted to be able to do that. Not all were able to do it, but most folks wanted that. If, if they had it, great. If they didn't have it, they wanted it. And so that's, I think, the universality of we being who we are. And again, you know, environment may change, the space, the circumstances may change, how we go about getting it or what it is, you know, uh, because obviously it's going to be different from locale to locale. But the basic thing, you know, be it, you know, more healthy rather than less healthy, you know, being able to have clean water as as opposed to not having clean water, you know, being able to move about in relative safety. You know, most folks don't want to be able to say, I'm going to go up in order for me to get from here to there. I'm going to be, it's going to be fearing my life every step of the way. Folks don't want that. They want to be in this environment that relative safety, it doesn't matter where you are. So those things are pretty universal. And everywhere I went, you know, there wasn't a lot of difference in the basic aspirations, goals, desires of, of people. Again, the degree to which they may have occurred is going to be relative to the space that they're in. You know, what, you know, what that means for someone in, Uzbekistan or Poland or Miramar, New York or Colorado Springs or 
the specific of it will be different uh, because of different space, you know, what's available. But, uh, you know, the, the farmer in Bosnia, Herzegovina, uh, wanted his little grandkid to be safe, just as the, the farmer in you know, Bastogne, France, or the the worker that lives in in Salt Lake City or Chicago. People want basically the same thing. What they get is going to be a function of the environment they're in, how it's satisfied. But the basic needs, pretty, pretty similar, pretty similar. And so that's why for me, it's, it's about, you know, satisfying those sorts of things and ways that by doing what you do, that helps make a difference and allowing it to be such that those things can be achieved and realized by your fellow human being. Yeah. I, as you're speaking, I, I could not help but reflect on, you know, a lot of the time I spend talking with people is about like, but Josh, I want to go to blah, blah, blah. And I'm thirsty. Why can't I just get a, a bottle of water? And it's all in the weeds. And it's people who are like, but what am I giving up? And this podcast has led me to speak to people like you and who, and it's not, that was not an in the weeds talk. It, it was like a big reset for me, not reset, but like reminder, you know, put me back on a different track of meaning, purpose, value, and looking back what it was all about. I appreciate that. I, I can't really comment much on it because I'm, I'm, it's the sort of thing that I take in. You got a couple of years on me and, and that's what I, this podcast and, and these actions that I've done have given me a chance to talk to people about things beyond, you know, here's one little thing you can do for the environment and, you know, avoid straws for a week, which is great. I'm, I'm glad people are doing things like that. But on the other side of that, what, what comes out, what you just talked about, I'm having inclined to wrap up there because it's so, yeah. uh, it was so, but is there anything you'd like to say before? Is it cool, cool to wrap up there? Or is there more that you'd like to share that I didn't think to ask about? Not really. It's a lot out there. Uh, it's, I believe it's all related. It's all interrelated and how we as Human beings contribute to making things better for one another, I think, is the bottom line. And uh, and I think that's the essence of why we are put here. How do we make things better for our fellow human beings? And we all can do that in some way. Some can more, I guess, expansive than others. Some may be more at, at, at a micro level. But uh, everything that's done uh, makes a difference. Uh, and I think uh, we all just need to be doing, doing our part best we can. And, uh, and, when, and when we all do that, the whole thing gets lifted. And that's what it's, I think, in the end is important. Well, I look forward to coming back to you with how your words have inspired me. And I hope guests, uh, sorry, listeners, I hope the listeners also do. Kip Ward, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Great being with you again. Take care now. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step-by-step, step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.